This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Everyone to Jumping Bomb Audio and Podcast, all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. Taylor is already laughing for some reason, but that's okay because Taylor is one of the co-hosts. I'm Aaron Bentley, joined by Taylor Mayberg. How are you, Taylor? Hi, how's it going? I'm uh, excited <laughs> to be here with you again uh, for another exciting adventure in the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Okay, well, that's great to hear, Taylor. It'd be a real bummer if you were dreading doing this podcast. That would make me sad. Yeah, I'm glad, um, you know, it's been a bit of a... This is our 10th episode, by the way. That's um, right. A, a milestone, I guess, in a way. I mean, 10. It's double digits. But it's, you know, there's... I feel like every episode we've had something, some major event in the world or in the world of Joshi going on. And this is the first one in a while I can remember where, you know, it's just... We get to talk about, we get to talk about the shows and what's going on. We got a lot of shows coming back. Most of the promotions are running again or going to be running again very soon. So I feel like we're very close to being back to normal, which is a strange feeling living here in the United States where everything is very much not back to normal. Yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, there are fans at shows, which I'm very happy about. But it's also, unlike here, it doesn't feel unsafe. When Like when I see fans of the shows, I remember when this all was first starting and there were still some shows with fans, I was kind of like icky about it. And uh, now I'm like, no, they've pretty much kind of gotten this stuff under control over there. So you don't feel so bad. Yeah, when I remember in March when like DDT did a show, I think Tokyo Joshi did a show where they're like, we're the fans are back. At that moment, I was sort of like, ooh, is this a good idea? And then, of course, that was like a weekend of shows and then they were like oh now we're going to shut down but yeah it definitely feels different now it feels more it feels like they've definitely got it um, under control over there so yes excited to have some fans back have missed them uh, through all of these empty arena shows yeah i guess the funny thing is the fans are being told not to yell i guess or say things loudly so the sounds of the shows are kind of different there's more clapping i guess than than usual yeah, they have gotten very big on not making, even though you're wearing a mask, not making sound. I know one thing that sort of went outside of our bubble of wrestling, you know, so much of what I hear about Japan sort of comes through the lens of following wrestling. Um, but the big one was theme parks opening in Japan this week. Or coming soon, and the announcement was made that there's no screaming allowed on roller coasters, and that you should scream inside your heart, uh, which got picked up very big on my Twitter timeline, even outside of the people who usually on my timeline are talking about Japan, because a lot of people were saying 2020 has been the year we've all been, in a way, screaming inside our hearts. 
That should maybe be the tagline for the show. Jumping Bob Audio. Screaming in our hearts. The scream inside your heart. (laughs) Something like that. All right. If you want to reach out to us with the screams inside your heart, you can find us on Twitter at Audio. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Taylor is at Tay Mambo. I'm just never going to come up with a jingle for that. So I actually sat and thought about it some last (laughs) week. I was like, all right, I got to think about this. And I was like, actually, I think the bit of never coming up with it is funnier than whatever I could come up with. So I don't think I can live up to the expectations now. See, now I'm thinking I should come up with a song for yours, but yours is sort of already more, um, mine is sort of illogical. I mean, it's not illogical. It's mostly, I mean, it isn't mostly, it's my name, um, just in sort of a weird (laughs) format. Uh, But yours is, you know, a fun little um, cheeky comment on your your last name. So it's already sort of fun. So I don't know if it needs us. Yours strikes me as like the email address your university gave you. Well, it's funny because that's exactly what it is. Uh, when I went to college, I got an email that said, uh, we're only allowing eight characters um, to be part of your email. Here are four options you can have. Um, my last name obviously is longer than eight characters, so I couldn't fit my whole last name in. They gave me a few options. All of them didn't look great. So I picked this one. It stuck with me. And in college, I was making a lot of these accounts. And I just said, I'm going to keep the same name for all of this. So I set up my Twitter account that way. My Instagram is that way. So it's all, it is my name. So it doesn't feel like a goofy, you know, inside joke where you're giving adults, you know, like, oh, I like ham 2005 or something. That's goofy that you would be embarrassed about. So it's like, it is my name, but it isn't my full name. I I mean, I I said that with a sense that it actually might be the truth because you and I, uh, for different types of school, uh, went to the same university system and I had a a weird name email. Wait, what? We went to the same university system? You mean uh, the United States university system? No. Where did you go to undergrad? I went to Indiana University. And that's where I went to for law school. Wait, I didn't I even you know, know that. that. Yeah. Oh. I, yes. So we were in the same system. So I assumed maybe that's where your weird little part of your name came from. Yes, that is. You nailed it. I didn't know that you went to Indiana for law school. I did. I went to the, they have two law schools. I went to the campus in Indianapolis. Ah, I see. Uh, yes. The I see, IU I system. I understand. Indeed. Well, now that everybody knows that, you should subscribe to this podcast, obviously, (laughs) because of the just amazing content that you get here. Uh, Give us a rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app so people who are interested in Joshi will find us on the little algorithm. Algorithm. That came out funny, but I'm going to stick with it. Uh, If you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. And also want to throw in a plug for Taylor's appearance on Wrestling Omakase this past week, uh, the the Mid-Year Awards, I believe, Taylor. Yes, the Mid-Year Awards. Uh, I did a lot of talking about some of my favorite Joshi wrestlers and matches from the past year. So a lot of Joshi content, at least from me, um, there's quite a few people on the podcast, but I talk a lot about Joshi. So if you're looking uh, to maybe catch up on the half-year Joshi, looking for the highlights, Uh, Give that a listen also on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. 
All right, we're going to start with the news today. Basically, for this show, there wasn't a really big show for us to dive into for a, a big show review. So we're going to go through some news of what's been going on in the world of Joshi lately. And then the rest of the episode will basically be what we usually do in the Spark Notes section, where we kind of talk about a match or two or three, whatever, but little comments on several of the shows that have been going on. Uh, we'll close out with some upcoming shows that are happening soon. No um, entry in our Stardom 2011 project on this episode, but I anticipate that will return. But we're, we're kind of figuring out how to deal with it as we get back into having, you know, plenty of uh, modern wrestling to watch. But let's get into the news first. Stardom is is back with a vengeance. They ran on July 11th, and they'll be running again on July 12th, both those Japan time. This is the card. Uh, I guess I should say only the main event of this show is up on Stardom World so far. So I don't know. I always, you know, try to avoid the spoilers. So I don't know what happened in any of these matches. I know Taylor has watched the main event and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but here's the card. Death Yamasan and Rina versus Jungle Kiona and Konami. Jungle Kiona making her... Um, not it's not a debut her re whatever she's her return return. (laughs) her return is the word that's a good word return uh she of course was not on the last show but she has returned to the ring uh so i'm looking forward to seeing that tom nakano and saya ida versus utami hayashishita and saya kamitani of course utami and kamitani are going toward challenging for the uh tag titles so i'm sure they're building to that in this match uh, Shuri versus Starlight Kid, which is what a bizarre uh, matchup that I never really would have thought much about. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, a big, another big return. I got the word this time. Mayu Iwatani and Riho is back in stardom. And they're taking on Momo Watanabe and Azumi. And then in the main event, the Dona Del Mundo team of Julia, Micah, and Himeka versus the Oedo Tai team of Natsuko Tora, Saki Kashima, and Natsu Sumire. Yeah, fun. A very fun uh, card. As you mentioned, only the main event is up currently as we're recording. I did watch it earlier. Uh, the main event, a very fun match. Um, I Slightly below the main event, which I really loved from their show a few weeks, their return show a few weeks ago. But still a lot of fun. A, a fairly surprising result to this one as Saki pins Julia. Uh, giving Julia her first wow. pinfall loss in the company. So wow. a bit of a shocker there. Uh, after the match, Oedo Tai challenged Donna Del Mundo for the Artists of Stardom titles. Now, before all of this empty arena era stuff went down, that had already sort of been on the books. And actually, I believe Julia, during the ending promo mentioned that but they reestablished that they want to go after those titles i'm assuming that will be on one of the upcoming corican shows uh, that stardom has on the books a very surprising result as i said but a fun match i went three and three quarters um i thought micah looked really good again uh with her judo uh, incorporating the judo throws and things like that himika looked really awesome they gave her a lot of really cool spots to show off her strength 
she actually at one point had uh, Saki and Natsu up in a dual um, backbreaker in the middle of the ring, which looked really, really cool. It was very impressive. Uh, but just a fun match with a very surprising result. We'll see, you know, as I mentioned on the last uh, show where we reviewed Stardom, I'm still a bit confused as to what the future holds for Saki. She lost her last three singles matches in the company, including the last one a few weeks ago to Death Yamasan, who's fairly uh, low on the card. But they have established that um, Saki has this flash pin, which she can use at any time to seemingly pin anyone. She used it to pin Julia. So that is sort of her secret weapon in her back pocket. So it'll be interesting to see the result of that Artist of Stardom title match to see what will happen with this new Oedo tie. Sort of a very small uh, three-person version as they wait for things to continue to open back up and maybe get some of the foreigners back in the company. Yeah, I'm stunned by that result. That's wild. Not only that Saki got the pin, but that she pinned Julia, of all people. So... Wow. I'll be interested to see where that goes since, yeah, we talked about it a lot on the last episode. The Saki kind of seemed out to sea, you know, based on what had been happening. But we'll see. We'll have a lot of stardom to talk about on the next episode. And we'll run down what shows they have coming up at the end of this show. Uh, some Tokyo Joshi Pro News. Yuna Manase announced that she is leaving the promotion. Yes, her last show is going to be on July 23rd. Um, You know, she announced that she's been a little bit disappointed with sort of her results in Tokyo Joshi and is looking to go out um, into the greater world of Joshi wrestling. She may return at some point. She didn't say that this would, you know, it's a definite leaving forever, but is at least leaving for some time. It's very interesting um, to think where she could go you know it's very exciting one great thing about joshi um, in the year 2020 is that there's a lot of very strong companies a lot of companies that are um, strong a lot of companies that are getting stronger it's a very vast um, network of different promotions so there's she has a lot of options she started many years ago in stardom she could go back there she has some connection with actress girls she could go there she could end up being a freelancer Actually, this week uh, on our Twitter account, a tease for our Twitter account, I was trying to guess who would be a participant in Wave's upcoming Catch the Wave tournament. I didn't include Yuna, but someone commented and asked if I thought that it was possible that she could be in the tournament. I certainly think it is possible, but I don't really have a good sense of where she's going to go. She has a lot of options. She has some history with some companies that maybe she could go to, but it will be interesting to see where she ends up. She could be a valuable piece for a lot of different Joshi companies. All right, moving on to our next news item. We had uh, some actress girls news as Yubiko Hota announced that she is leaving her role as a player manager slash trainer on July 7th. Yes, it's not entirely clear when this happened. It didn't seem like... Many people are very clear on exactly what her role was in the company. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure. There are some people who think that she's training or she was training everyone. There are some people who said that she wasn't training. I'm not entirely sure uh, what her role had been in, in recent times, um, but it will be interesting to see because if she was the trainer, um, Actress Girls has produced quite a number of uh, very talented wrestlers um, over the last few years. So if she was the trainer, that would be her responsibility. So it will be interesting to see who replaces her um, in that company as that company with their new streaming service and different things continues to try and grow and become a bigger player in the scene. Next up is Zero One. We learned that they are going to be under new ownership. Uh, Aja Kong. So you're probably wondering, why are you talking about Zero One? Aja Kong is the new president of the Super Fireworks Division. And Megumi Kudo is going to train Joshi wrestlers for a debut at Zero One's 20th anniversary show in March 2021. So we're really looking uh, down the uh, the calendar here. Yeah, giving them a lot of time. This is something that some um, Joshi promotions have sometimes done. Gaia Japan many years ago did that, where they trained all their rookies for a year before the promotion even started, giving them some time um, to develop the the talent before just throwing them out. Um, another interesting uh, zero one. There was rumors a few weeks ago that they were going to close. Uh, they had some people leaving in terms of in-ring people and also sort of executive positions, if you can call it that, in company. But now they have new ownership and it looks like they're starting to make some moves. Very interesting to see these sort of um, male, you know, you think of Zero One, you think mostly of, of you know, male wrestlers. They have had some fireworks uh, death matches, which actually we've covered on the show before, but they've been sort of few and far between, but it looks like they're trying to establish more, uh, a stronger women's presence, sort of like what Russell one did, or as we talked about a few weeks ago, there's that new, um, promotion that Ledette is going to be running sort of a Russell two, as it's been informally named that may also include Joshi wrestlers. So we will see very interesting to see what will happen with this company, who they train, uh, how they'll be positioned on these shows, something to look forward to in the next many months and go into 2021 where a lot of, I'm realizing a lot of promotions are going to have big anniversary shows in 2021. Um, stardom Sendai girls, I realized is going to, have their 15th anniversary. It was their 14th anniversary this week, so they'll have their 50th and Zero One's 20th anniversary in 2020. It's wild that Zero One has been around for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always hanging on by uh, by a thread. Seemingly Zero always one. going out, but never actually going out. I mean, a couple weeks ago, people were like, oh, it's over. And now they have new ownership, and they're back, and they're making moves. Not even that they're hanging on, they're making moves and, you know, br bringing in Joshi wrestlers to train and things like that. So it's pretty crazy. Another place making moves. I feel like we talk about them a lot. IndependentWrestling.tv. They're adding more Joshi to that service. Uh, I know there was a Pure J show on Friday night that uh, debuted. There's also a new Sendai Girls show from 2013. Uh, and a Battle Arts Queen Bee show, which features Kana, or, uh, you know, who's known as Asuka in WWE now, Kyoko Kimura, 
Ray, uh, Natsuki Tayo, and Nanae Takahashi are all on that show. Yeah, actually. Or those shows, rather. Yeah, it's a, they actually just put up, uh, there were four Queen Bee shows that Battle Arts did. IWTV has now put up volumes two through four. So three of the four shows are up. The second show actually features Kana and Nanae Takahashi teaming up uh, in the main event, which uh, now would probably occur um, again. But they're fun shows. A lot of them are very short. I think the first one is under one hour long. It's got four matches, so very quick watches. But a lot of fun shows. I recommend checking them out because the more that people watch those shows, the more likely it is we'll get more shows uh, from these companies or maybe some other Joshi companies joining up uh, with IWTV. So exciting stuff there. Some classic shows to watch. We talked a little about Sendai Girls and they are returning for fan shows starting on August 2nd. Yeah, so I think uh, unless I'm missing something or there may be a, a very small promotion, I believe they're the last Joshi promotion to return to running in front of fans. In August, it will be interesting to see what their schedule is like. They were in the middle of the Joshi Rookie Tournament, so it will be interesting to see if they end up continuing that tournament at what point, if it's going to be soon, or if they push it off to maybe in a few months once they're reestablished. Don't know, but glad to see them coming back. So we're pretty much back to, um, if not full strength, we've got all the promotions running in front of fans in some capacity. God, it seems like a million years ago that we watched that the Sendai Girls Joshi Rookie Tournament. I know. it's. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and remember who, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, that was fun. But who even won? Who's in the semifinals? I don't even remember. It feels, no. it feels like so long ago. You're right. It was. I mean, it was several months ago at this point. And time has moved very slowly. Uh, Hiroe, we talked a little bit last episode about her impending retirement. She's going to have her retirement match on August 16th. It's going to be her and Nagisa Nozaki against Kaori Yonayama and Miyuki Takase. Yeah, so this is her retirement match. And she has a few sort of, she has a row to her retirement. So she's going to be having some exciting singles matches on the shows leading up to the show, which we'll talk about when we cover the upcoming show. So um, looking forward to that, although sad to see her retire, as I think she's a very valuable piece uh, to Wave, who has a smaller roster, and it will become a little bit smaller. In pure Jade news, which I know everybody is just hanging on for, uh, Hanako Nakamori is defending the Pure J Openweight title on July 26th against, I said Leon last time. It's got to be Leon, right? Yes, correct. <laughs> Funny. I mean, it's close enough where you're not going to get, you know, you won't get DMs about it. People sliding in to say, what are you doing? But yeah, it should be uh, a good, should be a good fun match. A lot going on for Leon because she also has her 20th anniversary match coming up at the Pure J show at Corican Hall. That's right. That'll be on August 10th. It's going to be Leon and Aja Kong versus Akino and Miyuki Takase. Miyuki getting a lot of work here too. Yeah, I mean, she's... uh She's very talented, so it only makes sense that a lot of places would like to book her. I'm glad that they are because I enjoy watching her and glad to see her here on this show, a big show, Cork and Hall show for uh, Pure J. Last bit of news here, Taylor's favorite promotion, Oz Academy. They've announced the card for the August 28th Yokohama show. Do you want to run it down for us, Taylor? 
Yeah, so I just wanted to talk about the two uh, big matches that have been announced. Uh, the Yokohama show is always the big show of the year for Oz Academy. They usually draw pretty well and they have the biggest matches. It will be headlined by the Oz Academy title match between Mayumi Ozaki and Onoi, uh, which is the big sort of Sekigun explodes match because they're both in Sekigun together. And just under that, uh, a specialty of Oz Academy are these crazy death matches. So it will be an eight-person Super Fireworks Plasma Bomb death match between Mission K4, which is Sonoko Kato, Akino, Kaho Kobayashi, and Kakaru Sakaguchi, versus the Beast Friend team of Aja Kong, Hiroyo Matsumoto, Kaori Yoniyama, and Yu. Uh, they had a fireworks death match last year. It was actually Oz title match between Ozaki and Hiroyo Matsumoto, which was really great. One of my favorite matches of last year. Uh, I think I went just under five stars. I went four and three quarter stars. It's really fun if you've never seen this type of match. Uh, it's it's very rare, increasingly rare in the Joshi world nowadays, but they're super fun. Explosions, people running around with eight people. It's going to be absolute chaos and a lot of fun. So something to look forward to coming up at the end of August. It's interesting to me that Sauriano went freelance and there were lots of thoughts about where she would end up, but she kind of just seems to be running around in, in some of the smaller Joshi promotions. Yeah, she's been in Oz for a while, so I think part of it is that, you know, she's become a staple of Oz. I don't know what happens after this title match. If something goes on, we're in the group, out of the group. I don't know what will happen, but I think that she does have some affinity for Oz. So I think anywhere else that she would work, I don't know. I can't speak for her entirely, but I would think that she would want to remain at least working occasionally in Oz Academy, which she seems... I feel like... A time is coming, and we'll see if I'm proven right on this or not, that you kind of, for promotions, for wrestlers, a lot of them are going to be forced to either line up behind Bushy Road or Cyber Agent. And maybe you don't have to go work for them, but you might have to work with them or, or be friendly with them, one of them, in some way. Yeah, it's interesting because there was sort of the hint of that with a lot of the stuff that Marvelous was doing in terms of you had the Takumi Aroha match with uh, Mayu a few months ago that was sort of in the storyline. They've been working together, but it will be interesting to sort of see how this ends up working. I mean, you have Shuri working stardom, but also working freelance in a lot of places. So to see which promotions, I mean, I know there are some promotions that don't get along with stardom or haven't in the past. You, of course, have the most recent issue with Ice Ribbon, with Julia and Ice Ribbon. Although how much stardom thinks that that was a, an issue of Ice Ribbon, I don't know. So you have had sort of these promotions that don't get along. It's a question of whether the ones that seemingly have a frostier relationship with stardom maybe all team up together, maybe not against stardom, but just sort of protecting themselves. Um, yeah, it's sort of an interesting thing that I thought maybe would be sorted out this year, but with everything that's happened, it seems like a lot of the moving parts have been put on pause, at least for the time being. Maybe that will happen next year. It will be an interesting year next year with stardom probably running a bit, I would imagine, running a big 10th anniversary show 
whether they reach out to some people who promotion in the past and are now no longer there to wrestle. I don't know if they'll do that or if they'll just stick with their roster that they have now. But uh, an interesting sort of a cloudy future. So it's it's very interesting to see. Nothing seems to be set in stone as of yet. I should say, just in case people are listening and aren't completely, um, I don't know, encompassed or uh, I'm bad with words today. I'm having a hard time with my words. But if you're not completely enveloped by the world of, of Joshi, Bushi Road, of course, is the company that owns uh, New Japan and Stardom, and recently acquired Stardom late last year. And then Cyber Agent is the company that uh, owns DDT, Tokyo Joshi Pro. You recently purchased Noah. So there's a lot of money in those two companies that is that is now uh, pretty central in the world of Joshi and able, you know, Stardom under Bushiroad has shown the shown interest in signing a lot of people uh, away from other smaller Joshi promotions. Cyber Agent hasn't, you know, Tokyo Joshi Pro hasn't done as much of that. But, you know, one interesting thing, and I we talked about this um, off the show, Taylor, is that I noticed that Mayu Watani and uh, Nanai Takahashi were kind of just interacting with each other on Twitter. Uh, and Mayu, during one of, I think it was maybe the Korokuin where they kind of came back with fans, uh, you know, in between all this. And, sh- and Mayu mentioned Nanai Takahashi in her promo on the on the show, talking about how she had this red belt that was made originally for Nanai, and then she makes this aside of like, oh, am I allowed to say her name or whatever? So I just, I wonder if, if there's a thawing because there's going to have to be maybe for some of these people that you're going to have to be friendly with one of these companies. Yeah, and Seedling is probably the most, uh, it's the most interesting one because it seems with the history of Yoshiko and Nanai having worked there but then quit, that that would sort of be, to me, at least if I was thinking off the top of my head, that would sort of be the hardest relationship to thaw. You know, some of these promotions, Marvelous and Stardom, for example, there isn't a lot of history there. Uh, I mean, Takumi Aroha was in Stardom and then went to Marvelous, but that's only really one thing. I don't think there's really any strong feelings on either side, or there weren't in the past. But something like Seedling, it's going to be very interesting to see with Yoshiko in Seedling, and as we'll talk about in a little bit, maybe maybe at the top of Seedling, whether they want to work with that, what the reaction... I have no idea, let's say, to, let's say next month they announced, oh, by the way, um, Nanai and Yoshiko and Arisa Nakajima are going to have a match in Stardom. What would be the reaction of the Stardom fans? I don't know exactly what the makeup of their fans is, whether it's people who were around five years ago when this happened and still are holding on to some emotion about what happened. I don't know. I really don't have any read on that. So I don't know if maybe there's someone in the company who says, oh, well, we know the fans would be okay with it. But to me, that seems like the sort of most interesting matchup because there's so much history and how that company was formed, who's in the company and things. Yeah, I'd be stunned if Yoshiko ever appears in stardom again. I I think that would be pretty wild. But again, I I agree with you, Taylor. That's me coming from a Western Joshi fan bubble, you know, of of how people feel about that. But obviously it was a huge uh, deal at the time. And (laughs) it would just... If they announce that the match that you're talking about tomorrow, Taylor, I think it would it would blow me away. I'd be I'd be stunned. 
Yeah, and I don't know if maybe they go to Nanai and they say, well, we just want you back. I don't know if Nanai would agree to that. I don't really, you know, it's sort of like shooting in the dark because I don't really know how anyone, any of these parties feel about really any of it. I don't know if Stardom would be okay with it. I don't know if Nanai would say yes. I don't know if, you know, if Stardom reached out and said, hey, you want to come back for the anniversary? If she would say, no, screw you. I don't know. Maybe she would come back because she's like, you know, whatever, might as well, or maybe she thinks that it will be helpful for her seedling. Yeah, I really have no idea, but something to keep an eye on. And I don't know, maybe because it's Mayu, maybe the whole thing is, you know, it's Mayu. She's been with Stardom for so long. She's a top, if not the top person in the whole company that maybe, you know, Bushi Road, who was not around when all this went down, maybe they're like, we don't care. You can talk to her. You can mention her because... It doesn't affect us because we weren't here. You know, another thing was they brought in uh, Mima Shimoda at the No People Gate show who isn't signed to Seedling but appears in Seedling quite a lot. Um, that was another sort of interesting thing to me. That was the closest, I think, that they've gotten to any sort of official working together relationship. But yeah, I don't know. I But I think as sort of things return to normal... And we get back to a rhythm. I think a lot of that movement, which was going to probably happen earlier in the year, will start happening now. Yeah, and I don't mean to belabor this point, but I do wonder if also with COVID and with places not being able to run shows, if some of these smaller promotions are going to need uh, the money that might come from working with one of these bigger companies. So I think all that kind of plays in and it's just fascinating. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. Yeah, and you, you can always have, you know, as we talked about, not that it's big, not that it's big or it's happening anytime soon, but what does Zero One do? We don't know if Zero One, I mean, Aja Kong, obviously highly respected in the world of Joshi wrestling for very good reason. Does she end up bringing people she knows in? Is it a company like uh, Just Tap Out that just has, you know, that just trains new people? We don't know. There's so much unknown in the world in terms of, you know, does actress girl try and go actress girls try and go out on their own and sort of be, is there a company that says, well, we're not going to join either side. We don't, you know, I have really no read on what anyone will do at any time. Nothing really. I don't think there's anything besides what we just mentioned with sort of the seedling coming over the entire seedling roster coming over to stardom. That would really surprise me all that much in terms of promotions joining or even promotions closing, because as you said, it's been a tough time with a lot of these promotions not able to run shows, or at least not able to run shows where they're making um, money from the seats or the tickets. So, don't know. But it, I think anyway, whatever happens, it will be fascinating to see. All right, let's move into the Spark Notes section of the show, where we kind of run down the highlights of several of the shows that have gone on over the past two weeks. I wanted to start with the Tokyo Joshi Pro Show from July 4th at Yogoku KFC Hall. 192 people in the building. Of course, that's just because of COVID-related restrictions. They they would have, I'm, I'm sure, sold several more tickets had they been able to. Uh, any Any matches from this show that stood out for you, Taylor? Well, I think the top two matches were um, obviously the biggest matches of the show, as we had one title match, the tag titles, 
and then set up the next challenger for um, Yuka Sakazaki's title, which will be happening in about two weeks' time. So those were really the two big matches. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the Yuki Kamafuku versus uh, Yuki Aino match. I thought it was uh, quite a bit of fun. Uh, but yeah, it was also fun at the end to see, um, you know, that Yuka Sakazaki is going to take on uh, Yuki Aino next. I'm looking forward to that. I just, I missed uh, Yuka Sakazaki. <laughs> you know, it's just, just, I was happy just to see her, you know, so that was fun. And then, yeah, the the tag title match, the Princess Tag Team title match, uh, Maki Ito and Raku... Uh, losing their challenge to the champions, Miyu Watanabe and Rika Tatsumi. And this was a match that was like, it wasn't a bad match by any stretch of the imagination. But it's something that I think the dynamics of the promotion hurt this kind of match. Where there's no, like, Joshi in general, I think this is fair, doesn't have a lot of strong babyface heel dynamics. Like, it's that's it's rarer in Joshi than in other Japanese wrestling. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I could see that. I think a lot of it is that, um, I think a lot of it is sort of modern in modern times is sort of about necessity and what they sort of have available on their roster. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a bit harder to sort of divide the promotion up into sort of, you're just a heel, you're just a, you know, you're just a baby face because it sort of cuts off their ability to put matches together and sort of provide interesting matchups that hopefully draw fans in. I mean, the biggest one is that Oz Academy still is very pronounced and Wiseki Goon being obviously very heel, interfering in all the matches. So that's sort of the outlier. But yeah, I would agree that there is sort of a blurring between, oh, what's truly, you know, truly a heel, truly a face. So yeah, I, I see what you mean. It's also an issue, I think, in, in Joshi with everybody really wants and in some cases needs to sell merch. And so you, you kind of want to be the baby face that everybody roots for it. But I think it's especially pronounced in Tokyo Joshi Pro because of the idle nature of the promotion. Everybody's kind of like a colorful, bubbly character in a lot of ways. And that's great. That makes the promotion very fun. The live shows, you know, getting to see them live was a lot of fun. But I think it hurts a match like this where... It's like a vaguely, I mean, vaguely cold match. And a lot of that is because of uh, COVID issues. But you can't really, basically, if you're a big fan of Tokyo Joshi Pro, you just kind of have your favorites that you root for. Uh, but the the match can't be built toward, like, the one team you're really supposed to, that everybody's supposed to be rooting for. You know, like, if the people who are watching this match at home are either rooting for Miyu and Rika or Maki and Raku for their own reasons. It really isn't like you're... Sometimes you just need a classic, you know, Southern-style tag match where the baby faces sell for a long time and then they make their comeback because... And that's who everybody wants to see win. And they either get there or they don't, you know? And you can take really any match. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card... But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each 
one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good, and Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And do that style, and uh, it works, and you get what you need out of it. This is just kind of like, I mean, I think they got a, had a heat segment on each of the people in the match at one point. And it's like, that makes it really hard to get behind anybody for the match to really gain momentum. And I mean, I feel like I'm going too hard on this match because it was a good match. I'm just trying to highlight uh, a general issue that you can see in Tokyo Yoshi Pro, in Joshi generally uh, with this kind of match. But otherwise, uh, it was fun. And I, the one thing I really noticed from the match was how much better the Up Up Girls have gotten in relatively uh, short amount of time. Uh, I think especially Raku is maybe the most improved of the of the Up Up Girls for me. And so that was fun to see. Uh, and then after the match... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was just going to say to your point about heels, you know, they had... Um, I don't remember exactly when the time is so immaterial now. But they had Neo Bichikigun for many months in the promotion last year which gave them a strong heel face storyline. So I totally agree with you. And, you know, they had Saki Sama, they had Masao um, as the heels, as the tag champion, which gave them a strong, I totally agree with you, sort of a strong through line of these are the heels and here are the faces that are going to try and knock them off. And I think you're totally right that it's something they missed. It doesn't seem... Um, with Masao becoming Hyper Masao again, Saki-sama seemingly going elsewhere and doing other things, 
um, as we know, and we'll talk about um, wink, wink in a second. But yeah, it would be good if they could reestablish uh, a new heel team. But I don't know if they will, based on sort of what they've established, especially with the new people. Most of the new people come in, and they do. You're right, establish a sort of bubbly personality. That I don't know if there's anyone. Like, for example, here's a hypothetical question. If you could turn someone heel right now, who would it be? I, I don't know if I could even think of someone that I would be like, oh, that would be a great idea to turn these people heel. Yeah, and it's hard in this promotion, I think, to turn people heel. Like, you know, Maki Ito, for example, is like a cool heel in a lot of ways, right? She's like flipping people off and kind of being a, a dick. You know, but everybody loves her because of it, as part of it, you know? So I'm not sure that you can even get around that. Maybe, maybe, uh, Miyu is like, is one possibility. Uh, Yamashita, I mean, is like one possibility of someone who could work in that role, especially since she's already very well established in the promotion. Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. That would be interesting, I guess. But the, the thing would be, it would, I don't know if you would have to turn someone heel and then they would need to, hold a title, so I guess the question would be Miyu Yamashita, would she then just beat Yuka Sakazaki again for the title and she becomes the heel? But you've sort of already done that with Miyu because she was the dominant champion uh, for so long. So that storyline, even though she would be quote-unquote heel now, the storyline would sort of be very similar to, oh, I'm a dominant champion and who's going to beat me? So yeah, it's a, it's a tricky it's a tricky situation that I don't know that I can think of the answer to off the top of my head because you're right it's idol based and it's very tricky to turn someone heel and then say oh uh, but you're going to keep selling this merch or you're going to keep selling the same number of autographs you're doing because I don't know how the fan base would react to that right and you know in in all fairness the promotion is doing very well you know it doesn't need like a a business boost or anything you know so this is just literally from like a, a storytelling, sometimes wrestling uh, match perspective that I would like to see a little bit of a difference. And I just thought it was highlighted by this match. But obviously Tokyo Joshi Pro is, is doing very well without uh, without my input. Without either of our inputs. <laughs> yes. Okay, the, the next match that I wanted to talk about, I don't know what you were saying about uh, Saki-sama. I don't think we'll be discussing her on this show. Uh, what we will be discussing is from... Uh, DDT's uh, July 2nd show, July 3rd show, I guess. Uh, this was in Shinjuku Face. And the main event was a Joshi match uh, in Saki Akai's uh, trial match series. She, her, the final one, or number seven, uh, Meiko Satomura defeated Saki Akai in a match that I really liked. Yeah, it was a fun match, a good conclusion to the seven-match trial series that Saki has been having. And I think it's very clear, I was just thinking this as I was watching the match, but I feel like Saki Akai, to the sort of larger world of wrestling, sort of outside of, you know, big Joshi fans or things like that, has this sort of reputation as, oh, she's very awkward, oh, she's uncoordinated, blah, blah, blah. You know, these are not people who are regularly watching, but they've seen her a few years ago in DDT or something like that. But I think now she's, I don't know if it's through the seven match series or if something else clicked. I mean, she has been very, very good. She's had a lot of excellent matches in the seven match series. 
She's had some great matches with Eruption in DDT as well. So she has been very good. The seven-match series, I think, was really good. I think she ended up, um, not that it matters, but I think she was three and four in seven matches because she was, I believe, three and three going into this match and Mako won this match. Um, But just an excellent idea, I think, really well um, put together by DDT to make her look really great. Now she is the part of the six-person title holders in DDT, so getting more and more opportunities, which I think is really great. I also enjoyed the match. Of course, Mako, every match she has is really great. She's got great-looking offense. She makes her opponent look really good, so I thought it was also a really strong match. Yeah, it was put together smartly in that it was lots of Mako on offense with Saki kind of selling for Mako, so they were highlighting what you needed out of both people. I thought I don't know if there was, uh, I don't watch a lot of DDT. I don't know if there was more story here, but Mako seemed really mad during the match, which made, made it fun. I enjoyed it. But then you saw lots of good counter wrestling from Saki. I agree with everything you said earlier about her. Like, I will still see people say, oh, Saki Akai is the worst wrestler I've ever seen or whatever. And I'm like, when is the last time that you've watched her wrestle? Because I don't know that she's really good, but I think she's quite good at this point. Uh, the finish was really cool. Uh, we, we like to do a, a recommended match segment, but both of us only had a couple. I think you only had one for this episode. Uh, I would have put uh, this in my recommended matches. I had it at about three and a half stars. Um, and for me, that's a recommended match. So I would recommend everybody go check it out. Oh, interesting, because I also had it at three and a half, but three and a half does not make it on my recommended matches. So (laughs) it looks like we just have different parameters or else mine would have this would have been on there as well if we were going down to three and a half. Well, it's you know, there's not a lot out there right now, so I'm willing to drop my standards a little. You know, if people are like, Oh, I really want to watch some Joshi, what's out there? I'm like, Well, there's this. It was pretty good. I would check it out. Yeah, and I'll say if you like the Saki Akai match, um, another recent match, not a Joshi match because she's the only female in it, but is the Eruption versus Damhard's six six person title match from DDT TV show. Oh, now I'm trying to think of this off the top of my head and I'm forgetting it. I believe it's DDT TV show number six or seven from a few weeks ago. A really strong match. Uh, Saki Akai looks really great. So if you're looking for a little bit more Saki Akai after you watch this match, I recommend you go check out that match. All right, the next show that we wanted to talk about, or I guess series of shows, is we're going to do some Choco Pro talk. Taylor, I know you're maybe the biggest Choco Pro fan in the world. I don't know. Maybe it's between you well, and I don't Matt, know. I don't know about Matt that. SDL. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but I have been a big fan. This past two weeks is has probably been the biggest two weeks of Choco Pro's history. Now, of course, they've only been around for four months or three and a half months or whatever. But uh, a big series of shows starting off with Choco Pro number 28, which featured Yuna Mizumori versus Emi Sakura in a last woman standing match. The At this point, the next part, of the long-running storyline, the big overarching storyline of pretty much the entire history, three-month history of Choco Pro, has been the growth of Yuna Mizumori into really one of the top wrestlers in the world of Joshi. I talked a lot about this match on the Wrestling Omikaze I appeared on because it is currently my match of the year. 
I gave it five stars. Just an incredible match. High emotion. Great story. Some excellent wrestling. I mean, Emi Sakura pulls out some big moves, some stuff she hasn't done in a while. She does an ice driver, which she really never uses anymore in any matches. Just a big, a match that feels big, even though it's taking place in this tiny little converted pharmacy with no fans and just two wrestlers and really just two wrestlers, a referee and a cameraman. And that's all it is. An epic match. I highly, highly, highly recommend you go and check this out. I think I posted about this on our Twitter. I think there's a very good chance. I don't know what's going to happen for the next five and a half months, a very, but a very good chance that this match becomes the Joshi match of the year. It's very good. Uh, then on the very next show, uh, Chaco Pro number 29, the return uh, to the Gato move universe of Riho. And um, Aaron, I know you watched the show as well, and I know that you enjoyed the Riho main event. Oh boy, did I. It was so fun. The whole show was a lot of fun, honestly, including the uh, Junkin tournament at the end of the show, which I liked maybe as much as anything else on the show. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's like this episode of Choco Pro was enjoyable because you watch the first match. Uh, which was Lulu Pencil and Emi Sakura versus Mitsuru Kono and Tokiko Kurehara. And it's like, okay, this is, I'm having a good time watching this. Like, not everybody is, you know, the greatest wrestler of all time, but they're doing stuff that's a lot of fun to watch. And you just can't help but like smile watching it. So you're enjoying yourself. Then it moves on to the second match and they've built up Riho the whole show, right? Like Riho's coming back, but you don't see her. Everything else is really casual, but they like very clearly held off on anybody seeing Riho until it was time for her to make her, her big entrance. So then in the, the second match in the main event, it was the best bros team of Balian Aki and Mei Suruga versus Riho and Yunaman. And it's like, oh, they can have like a blow away match in this, in this uh, environment. Like when Riho comes out, you realize, first of all, how good she is, like how much better she is than, than your average wrestler. She looks, her offense looks good. Uh, everything looks smooth uh, in this environment. And they put together a match that I loved. I mean, it was probably like a four-star match for me. Uh, I just thought it was great. And Riho just exudes that star energy. Uh, you can see it all here. And you can see how much fun she was having wrestling Mei Suruga. And you could see that Unimon was like just so fucking excited to be in Riho's presence. <laughs> and uh, even Balianaki, I thought, was like, oh, I got to show out, you know, here with, with Riho. So, yeah, everything about this was uh, was excellent. Yeah, a great show. I was really happy that Riho came back. Actually, Emi Sakura mentioned when she said that Riho was coming back that Riho had left Gato Move um, some time back to go to Stardom slash AEW. And that Emmy believed that when Riho left, that the promotion would not be able to survive uh, because Riho was the clear ace of the promotion. I mean, obviously, Emmy Sakura is very well regarded, but she's sort of that veteran presence in the company. Um, but luckily, they've been able to develop these new stars. Mei Suruga is one who um, wrestled Riho right before she left when I was in Japan at a Gato Move show. They had an amazing match 
which I believe is on the Gato Move YouTube and worth checking out. Um, that was a great match. Obviously, I just talked about Yuna Mizumori. I mean, Balianaki, not a Joshi wrestler, but he's been so helpful with, you know, a lot of this stuff that they do is very English focused. It's really amazing. They do shows oftentimes on weekends that are very early in the morning in Japan so that they can be sort of in the prime time slot on the East Coast of the United States. I know tonight they're doing a show that's going to be tonight is the 11th, uh, July 11th. They're going to do a show that airs at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is a perfect time to watch wrestling on a Saturday night. So really has just been a really great, a great time. And as Aaron said, it's the great combination to me. The thing that's really drawn me in is that it's a very fun promotion. You know, they goof off. Antonio Honda's had a lot of matches that are very goofy or funny. They sort of use this environment uh, comedically a lot of times. But then you get to some of these main events and they are treated very seriously. I mean, they are going 100%. They are leaving it all out there. They're jumping off, you know, jumping off the windowsills, doing all these things, using tables, different things like that. So it's a great mixture. And as I always say, all of their shows, every single one, they've done 30 shows now. Their most recent one had Trans Am Hiroshi on it. They're all up on YouTube, uh, totally free. They have no paywall. You don't have to pay anything. If you don't want, you can get all their content for free. And each show is only about an hour and 15 minutes long, so they're very easy to get through. I do feel a little bit like a broken record because whenever we talk about Choco Pro on the show, I say the same thing, but definitely worth uh, checking out some great stuff happening. All right, the next show we want to talk about is the Makoto Produce Show. This happened on July 4th. This was no fans in Shinkiba First Ring, and I don't know, what matches do you want to focus on, Taylor? Well, I think the two uh, big matches um, were the semi-main and the main event. I just wanted to uh, mention Sai and Konatsu both appeared on the show. Sai, some people may know, she was tag champions with Arisa Nakajima in Seedling a little while back, uh, very briefly, I think for just over a month. But they both appeared on the show representing Yanagase Pro Wrestling's uh, sub-brand Ladius, or Ladius, I don't know exactly how you pronounce it, uh, a promotion that I know neither Aaron or I had ever heard of before. Um, Can confirm. Yes. (laughs) So last week, uh, I did some research. Yanagase Pro Wrestling has a website, and they actually air shows that you can purchase and watch the one thing is that the sub-brand Ladius has only two wrestlers on the roster which is Sai and Konatsu Um, so last week I purchased their most recent show which was from June 26th I watched it I have to say it was incredibly enjoyable it takes place in a small tiny bar in Gifu Japan they went out they had a great match it was a half an hour show they had one match, they came out, they did the match, and then the show was over. Now, the show cost ten, about $10. It was 1,000 yen, which I guess is more like $9 American or something like that. So maybe a little bit pricey uh, for a show that only had one match, but I really enjoyed it. I was really happy to see them on the show. And the Sai Tai Hanma match I thought was really good. 
I thought they really put together a good show. But clearly the two big matches on the show, the semi, the very goofy semi-main event, and then the big main event with uh, Riho, another Riho match. Yeah, I thought this whole show was pretty fun. It was an easy watch. Uh, but yeah, the, the highlight was absolutely this uh, main event with Hanako Nakamori, Riho, and Shuri defeating uh, Asuka, Kaho Kobayashi, and Makoto. Uh, interesting finish, I thought. Makoto taking the pin from Riho. But the most exciting, I think the most exciting thing for me about this was seeing Riho and Asuka mix it up. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the first time they've ever been in a match together. And it was exhilarating in some ways. They're just like, they're both so athletic and quick. And they can do a lot of fun stuff. And obviously there's a, a decent size difference as far as Asuka's a lot taller than Riho is. So it was fun to see what they could do together. And I would love to see them have more opportunities to wrestle together. Uh, what I'm saying is uh, stardom or AEW, really. Sign Asuka now. I think it's... I Obviously, now there's a lot of things going on. People are not traveling or anything. But I, if I were AEW, and I said this recently to someone, if I were AEW, I would pay Asuka whatever she wants to come into that company. She, to me, and this match was just another confirmation of that, she reads to me like a superstar. She's so good. She has this really cool sort of um, cooler than you sort of heelish personality, which I think is really fun. She's super talented. She's highly athletic. She's very skilled. She came off to me. Her, I think her Riho and Shuri really were the three big hitters of this match. I mean, Shuri, as I said, as she's returned to the world of wrestling from MMA, continues to get better and better. But Asuka really, to me, is the star and was the star of this match and is someone that, you know, anyone looking to hire more women wrestler would be crazy not to try and get her because she's so incredibly I'm thinking about an Asuka-Penelope Ford tag team. And uh, I like it. I think that's a, that'd be a great way to go. Yeah, I mean, there would be a lot of um, interesting matchups for her, obviously, with some Joshi wrestlers over there. And I don't know what's going to happen once everything sort of boots back up again, whether those Tokyo Joshi talent uh, will still be. Is Yuka Sakazaki still number four in the women's um, AEW ranking? <laughs> She's number four forever. Okay. She hasn't wrestled in six months, and she'll stay <laughs> number four. <laughs> well, you know, they only have like four women that they actually book yes, regularly. So. I'm well aware. Um, yeah, but I just think she's super talented, and I think anyone would be crazy not to try and sign someone like her. And she's someone who has expressed interest in wrestling in the United States. You know, she was supposed to be on that show. She was supposed to be on shows WrestleMania weekend, uh, where she did the name change which sort of never happened because she never wrestled here, but she has interest wrestling in the United States, which I know some people don't. So yes, please, please, please. AEW. I say American companies, but really AEW only. Please. Oh God. <laughs> please, Asuka in, in like NXT is, that's a nightmare scenario. Yeah. Um, that would be terrible. But yeah, but you know, if they don't, then she'll stay in Joshi and she'll be very good. I mean, as we talked about, she's been very good in seedling. And she's been put in a prominent position, so she's doing very well there. So she's getting her chances, so if they never do, I'll just keep enjoying her being amazing uh, in the Joshi scene. Yeah, but Stardom has shown a an interest in 
using people who are working freelance. So it's not like she, I would love to see them sign her and not that, uh, you know, she would have to leave the scene and just be exclusive to stardom. So that would be like the best of, of all worlds for me personally, because I really like stardom. Yeah, it would be interesting. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of her, if her, you know, personality is she, I feel like she sort of has a harder edge than a lot of people who wrestle in stardom. I don't know if maybe it would, you know, maybe it could change and I'm sure she could adjust because she's very talented, but yeah, it would be, you know, don't know, but she has a lot of you. She's still very young. It's, it's sort of strange to me that I am thinking, Oh, I've been watching her for four years or so. And she's still only 21. She's still only 21, which seems absurd to me. You know, she could end up doing a lot of different things. She could go somewhere for three years and leave and still be under 25. Yeah, but talk about injecting life into Oedo Tai, for example, like the, the biggest heel Ooh. group. Asuka and Oedo Tai would, would change the game. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be very interesting. It would be definitely a boost to that that group, which is, as we mentioned, gotten very small. Yeah, especially with uh, Jamie Hayter and B Priestley not being able to come into the country. Yeah. So um, before we leave the show, I had to a- I have to ask. What did you th- what did you think of the semi-main as someone? Your first experience with Matsuzawa-san, who is a YMZ regular and a YMZ a beloved YMZ figure in that world. What what was your reaction to that match, which was fairly um, as as some people would call it, galaxy brained? I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a big uh, Sumire fan, a big Yonayama fan, so I was I'm pretty much like on board. With, uh, I will kind of go where they want to take me and see what happens. And so I did that here. And I know that, uh, Matsumoto is also, you know, very big and I haven't seen a ton of her. So that was fun to watch. So I thought it was good. And how about that, that, uh, of incredibly lewd Bronco Buster from? Well, I mean, you, <laughs> you gotta expect that, you know, that's just, that's what you're getting. I was like, oh, not in stardom, and she's really, you know, pulling it out here, pulling out all the stops. <laughs> I mean, she goes pretty hard on it in stardom on, That's, like, the 14-year-olds. That, that is true. <laughs> you got to love Sumire. Um, yes. I was, like, as I was watching that match, I was texting with a friend of mine, and I was, and she doesn't know anything about wrestling. And I was, like, currently watching Joshi match where one of the wrestlers' gimmick is dominatrix. And she thought that was very funny. So if you, like, remove yourself... A step back from this. It's a uh, it's a wild world. All right. Next up, Ice Ribbon. So the the main show I think that we both watched uh, at least a little bit of was Ice Ribbon ten forty eight. It had uh, two title matches on top with the Triangle Ribbon title match: Tei Hanma defeating Satsuki Totoro and Sukasa Fujimoto, and the IWQ title match with Hamiko Hoshi uh, retaining her title uh, when she beat Ibuki Hoshi. Yeah, a show I think we briefly discussed on the last episode because it had just aired, um, but it just went up on Nico Pro, I think a few days ago or maybe yesterday, something like that. So it is up uh, available to watch. Yes. And I don't know. I really hate three-way matches, so can't really recommend the the Triangle Ribbon title match. I thought the IWQ match had a lot of fun things. I thought it went on a little too long for me. Personally, I see on Cage Match it was only 14 minutes, but I felt a lot of those 14 minutes. But by the end, it was quite a bit of fun as far as uh, the, you know, how hard both of them were, were trying. And uh, you could just feel like the the struggle of the match by the end. 
Yeah, and I still have to... I actually haven't seen this show yet. Oh, um, Taylor! Yes. Um, be, you know, it aired on uh, Nico Pro, as I said, two weeks ago. But Nico Pro, at least for um, Westerners, for paying for sort of these individual pay-per-views can be a little bit of a tricky situation. So I haven't seen it yet, but planning on catching it on uh, uh, Nico Pro in the upcoming days. I will not comment on how I watched Ice Ribbon 1048. Uh, I will say that after the uh, IWQ match, uh, Maya Yukihi came out and challenged Hamako Hoshi to an Ice Infinity title match. Yes, which is actually happening... Um, As we speak? Very sh- No, I think in a few hours. Um, it's supposed to happen tomorrow in Japan. I don't know exactly what time it's happening. Usually they do shows in the afternoon. So probably, I would think, in a few hours... That match is happening. Uh, it's Ice Ribbon 1051, uh, Maya Yukihi, Hamako Hoshi. Uh, there's a Thekla Uno Matsua um, for Thekla's World Underground Wrestling title. And also a match that really called out to me, uh, Sakushi, Sukasu Fujimoto, and Suzu Suzuki teaming up all together. That should be a quite chaotic team uh, going up against Yappy. Akane Fujita and Mochi Miyagi. So definitely a show to catch with some really fun. All right, that's most of what I caught from the past two weeks. Do you want to tell us about a couple more shows that you saw at least parts of? Yeah, so Pure J had aired a show on Nico. It was a show from June 28th. A fun show. They It had um, a crowd and a pretty good crowd. I don't know exactly the number. I didn't look up the it was at Itabashi Green Hall. Some fun matches there. A lot of it was setting up those um, title match, the title matches, and the uh, Leon 20th anniversary matches, which we talked about earlier in the show. But uh, Suzu Suzuki from Ice Ribbon made an appearance going against Korea. Um, that was a fun match, one worth checking out. Um, also, also on Nico Pro, Wave had a July 1st show um not really a short show only four matches um their bigger show was their july 7th show i don't believe it's made tape anywhere yet Um, maybe they'll upload it on their youtube wave has been uploading a few sort of select matches from their shows they had some matches up from their june 28th show the big match on that 7-7 7-7 show was Nagisa Nosaki defending her title against Yuki Miyazaki and afterwards announcing that she will, because she is the champion of the promotion, she will not be appearing in the Catch the Wave tournament. Um, when I heard that news, I went on our Twitter and tried to guesstimate who will be in that tournament. So if you want to see that, head to our Twitter um, account, Audio to see that. Uh, Diana had a show on June 28th, which aired on YouTube. And I have to say, I mentioned this again on our Twitter, but I was super impressed by the production of the show that they put. Uh, Diana, for those of you who know, for many years has sort of been this mythical promotion that really very rarely made tape, if at all. In the past few years, they've gotten a little bit better. They started a YouTube where they had been sort of selectively putting up some matches. But they put up this full show. It was really well produced, well lit. 
all the they had match graphics for all the matches with everyone's name in English. So if you don't know who any of these wrestlers are, it's very clear. They have a picture of the wrestler with their English name. Very easy to follow. I think the whole show was something like an hour and a half. It's very quick. It's on YouTube, so it's easy to find and watch on your computer or on a smart TV or anything like that or cast it. So it's very easy to watch. And they actually have another um, show coming up on YouTube. It will have happened by the time this show comes out on July 12th. Uh, Madeline versus Kawasaki Rainbow Girl, Kiori Ito and Ayako Sato uh, facing off, and Haruka Umasaki and Nanami facing off against Jaguar Yokoto and Megumi Yabushida in the main event. So something also worth checking out. Give them the views because I really hope that people give them the views and they keep doing these YouTube shows more because I think they're really great. And then finally... A show that hasn't happened again quite yet. Oz Academy is doing a show on July 12th. Not sure if it will make tape anywhere, if it will be on Nico or something like that. But two um, exciting matches for me. Mayumi Ozaki facing Kaho Kobayashi. And the main event is a, a Beast Friend it's an eight-person tag. Beast Friend, Aja Kong, Hiroya Matsumoto, Kaori Yonayama, and you facing off against the Seki Goon plus one team of Yumi Oka, Mai Yukihi, Sayori Ono, and Tsuri. Um, so a little bit of a twist there on their usual main event. I hope that makes tape because I think that would be a really fun match to see. But that is everything that has happened. All right. Well, that's Spark Notes for this episode. We will close out the show by talking about some upcoming Joshi shows that are going to be over the next two weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of this on our next episode. So Stardom, we talked about that they are running. They already ran on July 11. And by the time you hear this, they will have ran on July 12th. They're also going to be back at Corquin Hall on July 17th. They'll be in Osaka on July 23rd, in Nagoya on July 24th, and back at Corquin Hall only nine days after the first Corquin show uh, on July 26th. Riho will be on every show except the July 23rd show. This is all kind of interesting because Riho has been in Japan most of this time and hadn't shown up on any of the stardom shows without fans. So uh, it's interesting that she hadn't, and I guess good that she showed up on the the show at uh, Shinkiba. So now we'll be seeing her regularly, I guess, at least until she can come back to America. Yes, and she won't be on that. She won't be on the 723 Osaka show because she'll be appearing for DDT. She will be challenging with Harashima and Antonio Honda for Eruption and Saki Akai's six-person tag titles. So that should be another great uh, Riho match and a chance for Saki Akai to impress yet again. We don't know any of the matches for any of these shows at this point, so we can't really preview anything. But I think, what, almost all of these will have happened by the time we record again. Uh, I guess except that Corquin show on, on Sunday. We probably won't have seen any of that. But hopefully we'll have seen a lot of the, uh, we'll have seen the whole Corquin show from uh, the 17th and hopefully plenty of the Osaka and Nagoya shows to talk about. Seedling on July 13th, 
uh, Arisa Nakajima and Yoshiko Beyond the Sea uh, title match. And Riko Shirai will make her debut, uh, but she's now going by the name of Riko Kaiju. Yes, an exciting, a very cool name. Uh, this Arisa uh, Yoshiko match is a very big match. Uh, I think there is a high probability that uh, Yoshiko emerges as the new Beyond the Sea uh, champion. And that uh, Riko Kaiju match um, going up against Tsukasa Fujimoto should be very fun. We're starting to see Seedling. It feels like every year they sort of add components towards being a sort of full-fleshed promotion. Uh, Honori Hana, their first rookie, debuted a few months ago. Now already another rookie, Riko Kaiju, debuting. The roster exploding. I think now officially it's six people are officially on the <laughs> roster from four. So it will be interesting to see. You know, we haven't seen um, really since the early days of stardom a promotion, uh, Nanae Takahashi promotion, debuting rookies. So it will be interesting to see the path that both Hanori Hana, who's already had a few months under her belt and Riko Kaiju. So something to keep your eye on. On July 23rd, Tokyo Joshi Pro will have that Yuka Sakazaki, Yuka Aino match, uh, title match that we talked about earlier, as well as the Miyu Watanabe, Rika Tatsumi uh, tag team title defense against Shoko Nakajima and Hyper Masao. Uh, that'll also have Yuna Manase's last Tokyo Joshi Pro match. Yeah, so a big card from them, two title matches, and obviously the addition of Yuna Manase's last match should be uh, a fun show. Is that airing live? Do we know? I don't know, although I think most of the things, I, I think I would have to check. I don't know if they announced it. Mo they've been pretty good with most things. If they don't air live, they air near live where it goes up something like 12 hours after the show. So I'm hoping with those three big matches that if it doesn't air live, they put it up pretty all right, so hopefully we'll be able to talk about that on the next episode. Uh, Wave has the Hero A Retirement Series, basically, coming up. On July 19th, she'll take on Meiko Satomura. On July 21st, she'll go against Toshie Uematsu. And on July 26th, uh, Sonoko Kato. Yeah, some interesting matches. I think, um, I saw a tweet about it. I believe she's going against Toshi Uematsu. Um Uematsu's on the graphic. I think that's exciting. Uematsu's been out of wrestling for a while. She was originally planning on returning for that Gaia Japan reunion show or anniversary celebration show. I don't know what the official name of it is. So I hope she is doing this match because it's exciting to get her back. I'm a great wrestler from Joshi years past. And then Ice Ribbon has several shows coming up over the next couple of weeks. July 18th, July 19th, a Peace Party show on July 22nd. And then they will be at Corquin Hall on the 25th for their Summer Jumbo Ribbon Show, which I, I mean, there's no chance we'll be able to talk about that on the next show. <laughs> we won't no. have seen it. No, and when that, um, when that show was first announced as Summer Jumbo Ribbon, there was some speculation that maybe it would be the debut of Himika, but it seems like that will not be the case now that she is in stardom. So it will be interesting to see what happens on that show after we have, obviously, the Ice Infinity title match coming up in a few hours. will be interesting to see if they put another title defense on that show, sort of only two weeks away. But I'm sure it will be a big show with some fun match. All right. Well, I think that's everything. We had a lot to talk about this week. So that's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad. 
It's uh, a big change from having like a couple of news items to discuss and then talking about old stardom matches. Yeah, like I said, it seems like, um, you know, Sendai coming back on August 2nd will be the last sort of big major Joshi promotion to return. But everyone's sort of back running shows um, with uh, fans. Marvelous. We didn't even mention them, but they've started running shows with fans again. They haven't made tape, but pretty much everyone back to normal. So we're going to have a lot more exciting stuff to talk about. All right, if you want to keep up with us between now and the next episode, you can find us on Twitter at JBombAudio. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Taylor is at Tay Mambo. Uh, subscribe to the show so you get these as soon as they come out. If you're using the Apple Podcast app, we'd really appreciate if you gave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, you can donate to the show if you would like to at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. And as we mentioned up top, make sure to go check out Uh, The most recent Wrestling Omakase episode, Uh, you can hear Taylor talking about the Mid-Year Awards. And as I understand, I haven't listened yet, Taylor, but as I understand, a lot of Joshi talk from you. A lot. I am the Joshi Crusader on Wrestling Omakase. (laughs) That's what we love. All right. Well, that's it. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.